The Bain Free Radio Hour. Welcome to the Bain Free Radio Hour. It's a pleasure to have you along. I am Bain Associate Editor and your podcast host, David F. Shirod. Today we bring you Jeremy Como's interview with Jane Linscold about the third entry in her Overwear series, House of Rough Diamonds. It's available now in trade paperback and all your favorite ebook formats. DRM free at Bain.com, of course. Let's take a listen. Everybody, welcome to the Bain Free Radio Hour. I am Bain Editor and your podcast host, David Afshariarod. It is a pleasure to have you along, and it is a pleasure to be here with Bain Publisher, Editor in Chief, Art Director, and uh, Boss Lady Tony Weiskopf. <laughs> and as you may have known, if you've checked your calendars, it is now 2024, and we are looking forward to a great year here at Bain. And we're going to let you know what you can expect here on the podcast uh, because we're going to be talking about our books for the upcoming year. So, uh, Tony, thanks so much, as always, for being on the Bain Free Radio Hour. Yay! And uh, let's talk about uh, January. Let's start with January. Is yeah. that how we, how yeah, we want to do it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna mention actually too that this is our 40th anniversary year. Absolutely. Yes. yes. So this is yes. a big year for us. We're very excited. Uh, we've got some fun stuff in store. We do. Um, so we're we're just gonna do this informally. We're gonna we're gonna go down our list. We're gonna talk about uh, the new titles that we're releasing. Um, uh, this year and that we're very excited about. Um, kicking off the year in fine style, we have Down These Mean Streets, by, uh, which is an anthology edited by uh, Larry Correa and Casey Izell, whom we'll be seeing this weekend at a convention called MarsCon. Down the where I just saw it. Yeah, Down These Mean Streets, which has got such a beautiful cover. Dominic Harmon did the, did the, did the cover for this series of noir um, themed um, science fiction and fantasy stories. The cover stands alone, and of course we love the Bane, the Bane logo on the shield. It's just one of those right. things that, cool that, 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 yeah. that Dom does. <laughs> but if you see the three covers together, cover designer Jenny Ferry has made this anthology series come together beautifully. Um, the, first, the, the first anthology um, is about the femme fatale, and the second is uh, about our... Um, the detective the, hero. The, de right. the detective hero. And the third one uh, is to do with the city, mm -hmm. um, which is to, to do with the, the importance in noir of place. Um, and the covers all thematically work together. And it's just uh, it's just a, a beautiful, nicely done thing that Jenny Ferries did for did for this series. All right, um, so that's kicking off uh, kicking off the year in January. Um, <clears throat> also in January, another hardcover we have uh, Among the Grey Lords by D.J. David Butler. Um, do you have that one? I'll help you find it. No, yes, I do okay. not. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, Beautiful cover by um, Kieran Yanner is the artist on this one, mm -hmm. um, and I love these stories. Right? Yeah, I, these these are they're great planet adventures. They're great buddy adventures. Um, Indrajit and uh, Fix are just um, so good guys to spend time with. Um, I will say that the giant wasps will give you nightmares <laughs> in this one. You know, 
Way to go, Dave, for, for touching that, uh, that back brain fear of horrib yeah, yeah, horribleness. Um, we have Office War Monkey, Jason Cordova, bringing us Passing books here. Us stuff, thank yes. you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, so that's, that's an exciting one. This was reminding me yes. when we did Year's Best, you were like, you have a thing for bug stories, and I didn't realize it because they creep me out, you know, right? But like, you're like, there's like six bug stories that you, you know, put in the, the big pile, you know. And I was like, so maybe I'll avoid that one right before bed, but yeah. I'll read it some other time. Yeah, it will, it will give you nightmares. So, it, uh, and if if you're worried about starting a series in the middle, you can jump in with this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, They're they, very episodic. They, they they absolutely are. Um, and again, if you if you're fans of Jack Vance and fans of Fritz Leiber um, and and uh, Lankmar or Thieves World, you're going to enjoy these stories. They're they they, they are um, just classic great adventures um, and great characters. Um, for something completely different, we have. Beggar's Sky by Will McCarthy. Um, this is near future, near space, hard science fiction, um, the kind of science fiction that we love to publish here at Bain. Will McCarthy's such a visionary. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it, it's, it's really scary how close to reality <laughs> <laughs> the Rich Man Sky series is running. Yeah. Um, and in this one, uh, each of the books in the series, it's intended to be a four book series and probably will be, um, is, uh, takes a different narrative approach to the question of how we as humans are uh, dealing with our near space, near future. Um, and in this one, we have, it's a, it's a first contact story, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've ever wondered about all this weird stuff that's going on, is it aliens? Well, this is, this is not going to answer right. <laughs> one way or another, but it's a fascinating take. Yeah. Have you read it? I have not. Oh, oh. yeah, it's great okay. stuff. You're going to yeah. love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great, great stuff. Um, uh, again, these are characters that you've met before in Rich Man's Sky, but if you're, if you're entering the series at this point, you can absolutely do that. Um, so, uh, something completely di different. Um, an Angel Called Peter Bill. Alright, so this one, this one is, you know, I'm going to get a little proclaimed here, yeah, yeah. right? So this is, this is one of the very last novels that Eric Flint um, worked on. Um, literally from his deathbed in the hospital, um, he's giving notes to Gorg and Paula on, on their, uh, on their uh, first draft of this. Um, beautiful, beautiful moody cover by, uh, by Tom Kidd, who's been the, the, uh, the cover illustrator for, for the series um, for a very long time. Um, it's not a 1632 novel, it's an Asidi Shards novel. Right, so yeah. Could you like walk us through uh, the difference, or, or tell us about the setting of this one versus the 1632, I guess, because that is, it's the same concept, but it's, it's not the same series. Right, right. right. Or it's it, the right. same larger series, but it's not the 1632. Right, it's, it's a different timeline. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, here we are taking contemporary uh, humans, um, in this case, um, a married couple and a couple of random other people who were at the 7-Eleven at the time when the Asidi Shards struck um, and a 18-wheeler uh, are being sent back in time, not to 1632 in Europe, um, but to far earlier, uh, we're not sure exactly when, um, on the American continent to encounter the mound civilization. 
Um, so uh, it's a very different kind of first contact story. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, absolutely fascinating. Um, if you're interested in archaeology, this is a really great um, bring brings those the early yeah. civilizations to life. To life. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And of course, great characters too. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, the interaction bet between the humans who, the, the, the contemporary humans who are thrown into this uh, very dangerous situation and how they come together and how they learn to work with others. And that's, you know, that, that's a continuous theme in the 1632 universe and then the Shards um, universe. And so um, all of that gets explored in this. And of course, Paula and Gorg are longtime collaborators with Eric. Yeah. Um, um, and and did this start out as a, it novella? Started, it did. Yeah. 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 And, but it, the, the story was too big for yeah. that. So <laughs> got, we got away from it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it needed to be a novel. Yeah. And, and, and it was a novel. So um, for trade paperbacks, we have uh, Weird World War of China, which is hard for me to say. <laughs> Weird World War China. Um, back when uh, Sean Hazlett. Um, proposed this mm -hmm. um, to me. Um, we knew that uh, China was feeling its oats, uh, but it was less clear that China was actually um, going to be a superpower uh, that was going to be a danger at the time that we published this volume. <laughs> so I have to say, this is a very dark volume. Yeah. Um, it's. It's you, I think you said like we hope by the time it comes out it's still science fiction <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. Yeah. It, you know, it it touches more on horror. Yeah. Than than, uh -huh. than than on pure science fiction, as a lot of military science fiction can mm -hmm. do. Um, one of my favorite stories in here actually is Dave Butler's story, yeah. uh -huh. um, which is uh, which is still very very dark. Uh, but we have great uh, great. Um, uh, Contributors to this. Larry Korea is one of them. Um, Brian Trent, who's a new person yeah. um, that we've been keeping our eye on, um, and more news later perhaps. Uh, Martin Shoemaker, um, who's a fantastic writer. Uh, Brad Torgerson, Mike Williamson, T.C. McCarthy, um, and David Drake also has one of uh, his, one of his last stories, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. the last one. I don't know. It, it might be the yeah. last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, there may be things that were discovered, right? Perhaps. So, for those of you who might not be aware, Dave Drake passed away very recently, um, and but he was he was writing uh, up to the end. Um, he he didn't feel like he could do novels, but but he did do short stories and. He was always the first person that we would go to yeah. for almost any anthology. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was so versatile. Um, it could be fantasy, it could be science fiction, um, it could be military science fiction, yeah. and of course it's just appropriate. Sure. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's cool to have one last, maybe maybe the last one from him, I think, in, so, this, yeah. in, this, in, uh, in this particular yeah. one. Makes, it just makes so much sense. Um, then we... Uh, um, we will be reprinting time trials in uh, in trade paperback. Yeah, so that's a new yeah. thing. Maybe we could not new, but we're, well, we're, we're more of yes. instead of going to mass market. Seems like we're we're trying out more things in trade paper, the bigger size uh, that is in some ways easier to read. Uh, mass markets so. sometimes don't. You know, I yeah. love mass markets, but sometimes they're a little, the bigger <laughs> is almost easier to read. Sometimes, it, so. yeah, yeah. So that's a and that'll be a cool opportunity. For people, uh, you know, uh, to see how those uh, how how 
to respond to those and, yep. and you have that opportunity yep. to buy yep. them in that format. Yeah, and we are going to be bringing more things um, back in print that used to be mass markets. We'll be bringing them back in print as uh, trade paperbacks, including much of the Monster Hunter International yeah. uh, books. So we're, ex we're, we're excited. We're, we're jumping ahead here. So if That's you're a trade good. paperback fan, this is your year. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely your year. Um, okay, all right, so that was... Uh, I'm just jumping all over the place. Um, February, that was, yeah, we, we did February, so uh, March is uh, the Icarus job by there it is. Tim Zahn. Again, beautiful cover here by Dave Seeley, who's been doing the art for the uh, for the entire series um, that we've been publishing here. Congrats to Tim. He won the Dragon Drag Award winner for this series. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, for the previous book. But, series, but for, right? yes. yes. For, right. Yeah. This yeah. series has whatever. You get well, the idea. <laughs> yeah. It's confusing because... Because there is best series... Right. Awards now, yeah, 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 right. yeah, which is great. There should be best series awards. So, um, but Dragon, the Dragon Award has not yet done, done that. So, but but for the previous book in the series, um, uh, did get the uh, the popular vote win for uh, for the Dragon Award, yeah. um, and I think this one is just as good, if not better. Um, so uh, the Icarus job is coming out in in March. Um, uh, let's see. Also in March is United We Stand. I think I see zombies. Here yeah, here are zombies. Okay. Um, so if anybody's shopping for a wedding dress, we have ideas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is an actual scene from one of the stories in the uh, in the in the, the rising yes. world. Yes. Uh, yes. 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 And it is um, surprisingly Mike Massa who is uh, lovingly described the uh, the wedding dress here um, in this zombie wedding. Um, so this these are stories. Um, post-apocalypse rebuilding stories um, in John Ringo's universe. And we have Mike Massa, Jody Lynn Nye, John Birmingham, Brian Trent again, uh, Lydia Scherer, Griffin Barber, and more. The, 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 we love you. And more. We love you, team, and more. We do. Um, and uh, uh, there's actually a very powerful story um, in there by another author. Um, whose name I'm not remembering, but you will when you when 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 you've read this one. So, um, great stories continuing the series. We have two, we actually have there's two pieces of art on this because I loved both depictions mm -hmm. from Kurt Miller uh -huh. of this wedding dress. So there's a front and there's a back. That's <laughs> right. Oh yes, that's right. I've seen the back. Yes, yeah. that's right. So the, the so look for the back cover on there too. Um, Toll of Honor is coming in April. Oh my God, Toll of Honor. There it is. <laughs> and tell us about this new whippersnapper, David Weber. No. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, I mean, David Weber is one of the finest writers of the 20th yeah. and 21st century. Um, he writes um, amazing science fiction. Um, and in this one, he's going back into um, Honor's history. That's You've got the White Beret back again. That's your clue. Um, <laughs> Long-time readers, right? <laughs> <laughs> but this is uh, this is going going back to an earlier time in honors history and an earlier incident in honors history um, that we are we are revisiting. But we also get a new character, Brandy Boljo, um, and we're getting uh, her love story um, in the honorverse as well. So we're getting to see aspects of the honorverse that we weren't able to see when we were following Honor um, and her viewpoint mm -hmm. more rigidly. So it's a great adventure. Um, it moves really quickly um, because Brandy Boljo 
is not um, part of the same uh, command path that Honor has taken. Mm -hmm. She's an engineer, right? We get to see yeah, different yeah, different yeah. Pers different perspectives on um, and that's what yeah. I love when yeah. television show or long running book series can do that. Yes, is is because you, you can't do that in a one off novel because that's just a different point of view. And why is that in your book? It's this random, but I love you know this is I love that. I love the like. 90 degree look on in on something so yes. I think yes. uh, yeah. this is going to be a cool one to look forward to yes yeah. absolutely this is not quite the final cover but that's all right um, other now hard here covers. is a young whippersnapper oh right yeah. this is next right this is, this yeah, is next okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, all right so so this is first and foremost first and foremost a fantastic novel um I mean, we, we don't publish anything that we're not excited about. But we are very, very excited about this one. Um, Christopher Rocchio is an amazing writer. People talk about him in the same context of Frank Herbert and Gene Wolfe and Tim Powers, and he absolutely deserves it. Um, the Disquiet Gods is a great, great read. Now, some of you will notice that this is uh, book six in a series, and we are, publish we, are, we are publishing this series. This is the first book that we, Bain, are publishing. Mm -hmm. um, and I just want you guys to know it's okay to jump in the series here. Each book does stand alone, but they also build on each other. Right. I'm, yeah. not, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go back and read the first five, because... You on behalf of Christopher, go back and read the first five, <laughs> but... <laughs> Absolutely. You don't have to. <laughs> but, but, but you don't have to. All you need to know is that Hadrian Marlowe is the narrator, mm -hmm. that he has done a terrible thing, and that these are his memoirs. That's it. That's all you need to know to start. Um, yeah. And, uh, um, and they're, they're, they're really sort of... I, tour de force gets thrown around so much, but the scope that they are at and yet they're in like a first person narrative it's yes. to me like kind of mind blowing yes. how he pulls that off you know yeah um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're huge scope and yet it's like very personal one man story at the same time yes. and it's it's a pretty cool magic trick that he does with that yeah. others have done it but it's 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 rare to see something like that I think. It, it, yeah. it is and the fact that it feels both so contemporary mm -hmm. um as well as timeless, yeah. again, is a, an amazing thing that he manages to pull off, mm -hmm. right? That it, it, it feels fresh and new, but it also feels, you know, th th this is something that's going to be read 50 yeah. years from now. Right. Um, and the fact that we, we published both David Weber and Tim Powers, yeah. <laughs> if they had a baby, <laughs> it would be Christopher Rocchio. Um, some of this series may already be familiar to you because we have published uh, short stories in this series. Um, in right, in the various anthologies. In various anthologies, and, yes. Yeah. Chris, yeah. That Christopher edited mostly, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although a few not that he didn't edit, I think. No, some and some that yeah. he didn't edit yeah. as well. So, so you 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 might have been exposed to the series already before. Yeah. So, um, so trade paperbacks in this season too. Um, oh, Beyond Enemies, yeah. Oh, and we, we have, have the actual book. Yeah, we have the actual book yeah. for this one that we can that we can show off. And um, what man, what a great cover! I've said that a few times now. That, that, yeah. that is a great cover, and this is uh, Sam Kennedy is I believe the artist mm -hmm. on, on this one. Um, so this is our first novel uh, by Marisa Wolf. Um, again, she's contributed to many anthologies of ours, including uh, Chicks and Tank Tops. 
Um, and this, this novel springs from the characters that we were first introduced to in that anthology. Um, this is a work of, uh, it's spunky, it's sarcastic, um, it's, uh, uh, it, it, it's in some ways um, a lighthearted approach to an extraordinarily dark military science fiction concept. Um, and Marisa Wolf yeah. pulls it off. It <laughs> it's another one of those cool magic tricks. How did you, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. How, how did you do that? Um, and uh, again, it feels very contemporary um, in the language and approach, um, but, but the themes are timeless. Mm -hmm. um, and the bond between a woman and her tank, of course, is, is timeless. Is always going to be timeless. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a great one. If you've been, you've been looking for more military science fiction from Bain, then, then you can start here. You could absolutely start here. Um, yeah. So, um, February for this one, Valentine's Day gifting. There we go. Um, okay. Others. Uh, we're uh, we are reprinting Fire with Fire by Chuck Gannon. It's going to come back as a trade paperback. Um, was that ever a trade paperback? No. That was always just mass market. Yep. So this is a first cool time. chance to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, original trade paperback. We have. Interstellar Medic by Patrick Childs. Yeah. 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 Uh, so for old-time science fiction fans, you're familiar with James White and the, the Sector General. Um, hospital stories, right? Hospital stories with aliens. And this is a lovely contribution to that conversation. Um, in this case, it's a first responder, not a doctor, but a first responder who is kidnapped by aliens um, and taken out into space and uh, who has to do her job and then she tries to get home. So it's, it, it, you know, there's shades of Odysseus in here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if Odysseus was a wisecracking first, you know, contemporary first responder. So <laughs> just great stuff. Yeah. Um, I think the uh, Joy Freeman came up with the tagline for this one, which yes. I love, which was a first responder makes first contact, you know. Yes. But, yeah. So there, there it is. I think yeah. that says yeah. what you need to know. Joy, yeah. Joy Freeman is our production manager, and in a future podcast sometime this year, we're going to have um, uh, her and uh, her assistant um, will be will be on the podcast. Yeah, talking about behind the scenes. Yeah. So if you like making of uh, yes. DVD features, that will be the podcast for you. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, also original. Um, uh, trade paperback. We have Admiral Commander. It's a, it's another um, military science fiction work, um, Terran Republic novel. Uh, we've got Chuck Gannon um, working with collaborator Chris Kennedy. Um, uh, Chris, of course, um, is ex-military. Um, I believe Air Force um, for Chris and. Um, Chuck is now a uh, military dad. Um, he's got two sons in the army. Um, he's very, very proud of them. We are proud of them too. Um, so you should buy this book. Um, you, I mean, you, should, you should buy it anyway. You should like buy it. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is this is a, a, a great contribution to the um, uh, to the Kane Reorden series, yeah. and, it, and it's starting. We're starting to see where the Kane Reorden uh, plot strand and the Murphy's Lawless plot strand mm. are starting to come together. So, um, great, great, great fun. So that's spring, I think. That pretty is, well. yeah, that's pretty much spring. Uh, right. The new stuff in spring. The new um, stuff. There's, yeah, there's, there's paperback reprints and other kinds of reprints and all, all kinds of other stuff going on. But um, we're trying not to take forever to do this. So. <laughs> um, we have new hardcover in May. Is a new standalone John Ringo novel. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Woo. <laughs> it's been a minute. We, yeah. we yes, yes, yeah. We are we are excited about this one. This has been a, a, a heart project for John. He knows that he needs to be writing in series. He does. He, he does know this, right? You don't. You don't need to tell we him. We don't on, need to sit. Don't add media. us. He, yeah. he, he, he gets that. He does. But John is very driven by the muse, yeah. right? You know, it's you know, he, he's got to write what is trying to to. To escape from um, from his brain, mm -hmm. um, and this is a loving tribute to the kind of science fiction uh, represented by Little Fuzzy um, and H. B. Piper. Um, it is a planet story. Um, it is a story of a man who has finally found his home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it happens to be millions of years in the future in a uh, possibly an experiment by aliens. It's not really it's not really clear exactly uh -huh. what's going on. Um, and the main plot line of, of, of this book is the exploration of this planet um, and, uh, and, and this one man finding, finding uh, you know, being allowed to explore, finally yeah. allowed to explore, escaping our contemporary Earth and, and getting put on a place where he can do that. Um, mm. And then there's the guy who didn't do so well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, John is writing with a new collaborator, James Adie, um, and, uh, and and I think I think the uh, the, the the pepper in the plot mm -hmm. um, re really adds adds to the whole what uh, what the collaborator brought right. brought to the um, to the party here. But I also just want to point out the beautiful beautiful Bob Eggleton. Yes, sure. Art. Always. Great. <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know it is you know this to me just screams sense of wonder. Yeah. Right. Well, I think I've not read it uh, okay. yet because I. Um, you can't read everything. I can't read everything. And when it's not out yet, and I didn't edit it. But um, <laughs> correct me if I, it, it does remind me, again, not in a like retro pastiche sort of way, but yeah. of the like almost Clifford Simak, or you mentioned yes. the Hitch oh, yeah. Piper, like this sort yes. of like sense of yeah. wonder, but like quiet science fiction yeah. in a way, you yeah. know, that, that is exploring yeah. like an idea and characters in that idea. Yes. Um, we love exploding spaceships. We, we will always explode some spaceships, yes. but it's, it's a, 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 this is like a different kind of, it is. you know, and, and, yeah. and something that I feel like maybe we're lacking generally. So this will be a cool, not us personally, I mean, the world yeah. is lacking. Uh, and so this is a cool opportunity to yeah. get back to some of that. But again, not in a, throwback way in yeah. a very contemporary way so that's yeah. cool yeah. Yeah. yeah looking forward to it uh hide and seek um also uh, yeah, very different from that yeah <laughs> <laughs> so this is set um in contemporary london um it's the sequel to um jekyll and hyde inc jekyll and hyde inc um it is a short, punchy, and I do mean literally punchy, <laughs> uh, adventure uh, with these guys. And they are taking on, before they were taking on monsters, and now, as it turns out, as more and more stuff becomes declassified, yes, there are aliens, mm -hmm. and they're out to get us. And <laughs> luckily, we have Jekyll and Hyde to kick their ass. <laughs> It feels like we're like conjuring this into our actual reality. Maybe we should stop publishing these. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I, I, I feel like we are behind reality. Maybe we are behind reality. <laughs> that could be too. <laughs> I, I, I don't think we're conjuring. Okay. All right. <laughs> this, this is this is not this is not the the, the Ringo Taylor universe. Okay. I'm All right. Really, really hoping. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, let's see. Then talking we, about kind of alien. Yeah. No. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll be talking more about uh, 
more about aliens in podcasts in, in the coming in the coming year, um, as more and more stuff gets yeah. declassified, right? <laughs> we did that one with you uh, on the podcast, yeah, and then like enough stuff had happened that we did it again, like yes. just recently. So yeah, yeah. I yeah. imagine we'll. Yeah, no, no yeah. We, we absolutely we'll have, have to keep to. doing it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and uh, and also, I think we could we could talk about this. Travis uh, Taylor is working on the sequel to Ballistic. Okay, um, yeah. So, uh, so I'm hoping early 2025 cool. um, for yeah. the release of that. Um, so the Thermopylae Protocol is set far, far in the future. So we're not hopefully invoking <laughs> anything. <laughs> um, another just Gonzo adventure by by David Weber mm-hmm. and uh, this David, is the, this is the Gordian Division books. It is, and we have. It's been a while since we've had one of these because there's yes. like the main three, which is uh, Valkyrie. Um, Valkyrie Protocol, oh, Gordian Protocol, Valkyrie Protocol. This one, yes. and then, but you've also we've got the um, the books that he has done with. Well, they're all with Jacob Apollo, but that they're the sort of the CSI, yes, Law and Order yeah. uh, sort of side of thing. But this is back to the main, yes, because uh, those are like crime stories, yes. And this is like the big universe span. This is this stuff. is more yeah. consequences of when you mess with time travel, yeah. <laughs> right? So at each new protocol is a. Uh, it's sort of a Carl rule, right? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. why do we have this rule? Do you really need to be told not to stick your head in the shredder? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the Thermopylae part of protocol is, is one of those. Um, and again, the collaborators, David Weber and, and Jacob Hollow, play off of each other so well. Um, they, you know, I think Jacob brings out the playful in David, mm-hmm. um, and uh, David allows uh, um, uh, Jacob's... Um, Darker angel <laughs> to, to have you know, to have to have a lot of play. Um, so these these are a tremendous amount of fun. Um, so that one will be out in June. Um, also in June we have uh, a newly aided novel uh, by Sharon Lee and Steve Miller. This one is Ribbon Dance. Um, this one too is uh, a quieter novel. Mm-hmm. It takes place on one planet. Uh, and it deals with cosmic weirdness. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will. I, I will just say when I was reading this, I noticed that there were there was a lot of drinking of tea and eating of cookies, and mm. I was, you know, suggestive. And yeah. So, so I was. I was putting. I probably put on about five pounds with this. You know, though that is safer. <laughs> I remember Lawrence Block said he one time tried to take a drink every time a character in a Frederick Brown novel did. And he made it like one chapter, and then like had to stop. So it could be worse. I'm just saying, Lee and Miller, well, Lee and Miller yeah. are pretty devious. That's true. There yeah. are there are plot reasons for oh, this. Okay. Right? Okay. So I'm not I'm trying not to get into spoiler territory. It's perhaps spoil your appetite, but <laughs> don't follow every suggestion here. Um, so yeah, the cosmic weirdness in this is great, um, and it's it's a lovely exploration of the Lee Aiden universe. So. Um, what else do we have coming up uh, in July? We have, oh yeah, we have Icarus Changeling. Yes. So we have another Tim Zahn Icarus novel. Yeah. Um, because Tim is just an unstoppable force. Mm-hmm. He, is, he is the man. Yeah. <laughs> so um, another one of these uh, great adventures and another great Dave Seeley cover too. Um, Dave really fell in love with the ship. Um, mm-hmm. That is an important character yeah. um, in in this series. So he w- he wants to make sure that the ship is acknowledged on mm-hmm. the covers. Um, so uh, just 
just to show you that the, the artists and the interaction with the text is important. Right, right yeah. You know, and, and, yeah. and how the book is represented. Um, so Icarus Changeling, um, in, that's coming out in July. Also in July, Robin Hood. But not Robin Hood like you've ever known yes. him before. <laughs> but not. <laughs> right, that I believe is Little John. But <laughs> um, the uh, this is a sequel to uh, Rhymer, um, and in this and we have the same main character, although hundreds of years later. Mm -hmm. um, which she is not at all happy to find out. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's another beautiful, uh, historically accurate evocation of uh, period in English history if that period in English history were impacted by elves who are in fact aliens. So, uh, <laughs> um, it's, uh, it, touches, it, it touches on and plays with the Robin Hood uh, legend and the myths that were created around Robin Hood, um, but, it's also this, but it also reveals British history in a fun way, mm -hmm. and it's a great adventure, and, uh, and there's, there's running battles. And, uh, yeah. and It's also pretty dark though. Right? No, it is. Yeah, it is. Like, like. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, one of, one of the themes that it's exploring are uh, consequences of being long-lived um, or yeah. long-lived. I yeah. never know which is right. Yeah. All right, there we go. <laughs> Some, somebody will tell us. Um, and so, so Greg gets to explore these themes, but in a but in a fun, yeah. you know, dark fantasy setting. Yeah, yeah it, 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 it is dark, but still, yeah, but but still, there there's some hope. Um, and something for completely different, we have also yeah. in July, The Down Deep um, by Catherine Massaro. Yeah. Um, Kurt Miller is, uh, is the artist on this one. Um, and uh, uh, this is a, the start of a new subsequence um, in Catherine's larger um, uh, universe. Uh, this is, uh, we're putting the Dust Knights, who've been introduced in previous books, but here now they are front and center. Mm -hmm. So. These are detective stories, yeah, um, but uh, but they're in a far future planet, um, and again, Catherine goes to you know explore science fictional themes while following a detective plot. Mm. Um, so and obviously, you know, kick-ass heroine. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what is not to like there? Um, to turn the tide in August. Ugh. The return, the return, the triumphant Steve. return of Steve Sterling. Absolutely, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> Welcome we, back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've teased this before. We we interviewed uh, yeah. Steve at, at DragonCon last year. Um, we have the cover here now, um, which which is a lovely cover. Um, and this is a time travel story. We get uh, we get a bunch of people who managed to escape the contemporary apocalypse. Again, hoping that we are not invoking <laughs> this. Um, uh, a, uh, a scientist has uh, set up his own little getaway um, back in the, the late Roman Empire. Um, so um, he's got a whole bunch of supplies in, uh, um, in containers ready to go to be sent back in time. And unfortunately, he does not get to go with them. He gets caught back. <laughs> so we have a bunch of very confused uh, grad students and their professor who don't know where they were going. Well, they knew they were going there, but they didn't know why. Um, no, they didn't know why. They didn't know they were going back in time. This was yeah. This was it was a secret thing. They didn't know they were going there. I read it. I read this one a year ago. But, so the important thing is they go back to the late Roman Empire. So I can't help but think of you know the contemporary. The meme. Yeah. If, right. So if you think about the Roman Empire. 
<laughs> we have the book for you. We have the book for you. Because Steve yeah. Sterling has been thinking deeply about the Roman Empire. <laughs> so nobody could evoke Romans like, like Steve can. Um, but also the contemporary humans are very well drawn too. Um, and so getting, getting to see contemporary humans try to survive in the late Roman Empire, um, which has all too many um, echoes of our contemporary time, is a lot of fun. Um, and Steve Sterling does it really, really well. Um, also in August. Wind Spencer. It's yes. a new Tinker story. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Storm Fury. Storm Furies. Um, this is really the second half of uh, Harbinger. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, these two together form a duology um, and in the, the battle that was being set up in Harbinger finally comes to a head in Storm Furies. Um, so Tinker is part of this but it is not just Tinker, it is all of Pittsburgh and Elvin Pittsburgh mm -hmm. um, that we're getting to see here. Dominic Harmon is the, uh, the illustrator for this and he's, he's doing a great job with this series. Um, and uh, there's dragons, there's elves, there's war, there's battle, there's maneuverings. Uh, there's a lot of maneuvering. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Wen Spencer is just, she's such a great storyteller. It's just so much fun. Yeah. You know, you, you, you could give somebody else all of these elements and it would not be nearly as cool and exciting as what Wen does. So, uh, so that one, out in July. We have some original trade paperbacks also this season. Um, the Eccentrics by Tim Akers is the third in the Nightwatch series. Yeah. Uh, Todd Lockwood is the artist. I love this this uh, uh, portrait of Tesla. Yes. <laughs> Not the car, the man, right? <laughs> so as you can see in this iteration of Tesla, he's pretty buff, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so it's a very different Tesla than the than our historical Tesla. Um, so, uh, great uh, urban fantasy adventure um, mm -hmm. in this one from Tim Akers. So, very different from Wraithbound. Uh, very different feel from Wraithbound, but a return to his more lighthearted um, adventure. So, um, I love Wraithbound too, by the way. So, I'm hoping, sure. hoping, hoping to see hoping to see more there. But this 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 was what uh, came up next um, with Tim. Uh, let's see. Uh, ah! Something completely different. Tales of the United States Space Force. Is that right? Yes, Tales of the United yes. States Space Force. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is cool. I talked to Stuart back when he was still kind of pitching it to you, I think. Yeah. I, I, he's a Texas guy. He is. And uh, I was like, that's cool. I hope she goes for it. So I'm glad you went for it. I did. <laughs> uh, so I, you can talk about it, obviously. but um, I, I can talk about it. So, so I, I, when, I was, when I was talking earlier to the production department about this book, I finally realized what we have here is the first glimmerings in science fiction of what a space force could be, are the actual present day of what our space force is, and future stories about what our space force then could become. Um, and so past, present, future of the space force, all in this one volume. Um, yeah. So. And it's cool because Stuart has written like essays sort of tracing the history of like the space program leading up you know yes. to the creation of space force and uh it's really a part because i mean i think he, he has said this and it's in the introduction you know um when it kind of was announced there was a lot of like laughter some tittering from the peanut gallery and right. he thought you know people don't 
know that this was not just something that we pulled out of you know where like uh, you know that there is a long history to this yes and he, he kind of felt like uh, this was his way of um, bringing that knowledge to the public while also entertaining them a great deal you know it's, yeah. it's you know yeah so. absolutely so most of the stories uh, in here are original but the the Larry Niven story is a reprint the Arthur C. Clarke would be great for it to be a, <laughs> an original but it is not uh, it, these, these are sort of the earlier history and science fiction of where some of the seeds for our mm -hmm. actual space yep. force you know where, where, where they were uh, where they were um, planted and uh, and, it, and it's an example of how important hard science fiction is, right? Mm -hmm. Where we start, where we think about the future and the consequences of what we do in the future. And I think this this volume also makes the argument of why is it that we need a space yeah. force, right. right? Yeah. And 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 makes it clear both in its in its fact and its fiction, um, the nece the necessity for this. So um, so if you have friends who were like space force, put. This one. <laughs> they need. They need to be reading this. Um, all right. Then. Sure, yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. try to talk about it. Yeah. You okay. Talk so this about is it. Tomorrow's Troopers, <laughs> edited by Hank Davis and some guy, uh, David F. Sharrod. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited <laughs> to be back editing. Uh, you know, uh, anthologizing. You know, the, you know yes. I guess for band, I should. I've been editing. Oh yes, you have. <laughs> but um, and this is one of Hank's, uh, or Bain's, uh, under Hank's sort of guidance uh, and editorialship. A great reprint anthology. I mean, we hope it's great. I think it's great. Yeah. But you know, I love those. You know, that's what I've talked many times. That's my where my heart is. It was it, you know, where I got into the genre and got into reading. Period with short fiction, yeah. and so um, doing these kind of books, I think, is a, is a cool uh, service to readers and also to old stories. Like and, and the old being relative. There's reprints, but some of them are pretty modern. Um, yeah. And so uh, we're still firming up everything, but uh, this one is, as you can see, tomorrow's trooper. So we are sitting on what power armor. And um, one thing that was important to us, I think, was to not just have it all be space marines in power armor fighting battles. Right. Now there will be space marines in power armor <laughs> fighting battles, but we've also come at it from uh, different angles. There's a uh, going to be a John C. Wright story that is like. Um, sort of about the protective like suit that this man wore as a child like this would be like you know mm -hmm. in, a, in a war zone situation you would run into it and it would protect the kids and um so like that kind of thing too yeah. you know and then yeah. there's some there's a some funnier ones as well and um so we're i'm really excited about it so and uh again uh, i think um just really cool to see the different takes on it on a theme that's that's the, that's the fun thing to me about these is yeah. um things that might seem narrow and then you're like wow look at how this oh, yeah. variety you yeah. can get yeah. out yeah. of absolutely yeah. and, and so so we we use in the title we use troopers deliberately right it is to evoke starship sure. troopers yes. right this uh -huh. is part of the conversation that we are having with robert heinlein about right. yeah. starship troopers yeah. right about powered armor about military themes mm -hmm. right about what it does to people yeah. Um, and and how it does it, mm. and uh, so so it goes into that um, uh, that that longer conversation that is the subgenre of military yeah. science fiction. Um, so that's that's that, those are the two seasons that we have 
nailed down. So don't don't hold us to these <laughs> don't hold us to these months necessarily. But just to give you a um, a glimpse of what's going to go on towards the end of the year, uh, we have the sequel to Governor by David Weber and Richard Fox, um, which is set in his. Um, um, in Fury Born universe, uh, in in the early uh, in the earlier time. Yeah, it's uh, that they're like prequels too. They, they are absolutely prequels yeah. to them. Yeah, um, we have a uh, Black Tide Rising novel by Jason Cordova called On Top of Mountain of Fire. Um, it's set in the Appalachian Mountains, um, and I'm just going to say you don't mess around with Catholic uh, Catholic schoolgirls. You just don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, great contribution to that series. Um, we also have a uh, new Hanover novel by Howard yeah. Andrew Jones uh, called Shadow of the Smoking Mountain. Uh, we're excited to see uh, that one coming out. If you like uh, Robert E. Howard, if you like David Drake's Vedia stories. If you think about the Roman Empire. If you are thinking about the <laughs> Roman Empire, this series also is for you. Um, although, I mean, you can't really be in favor of the Roman Empire because the analog Roman Empire is... Um, Fair enough. But <laughs> although there are but triumphant... you're still thinking right? of them. Yeah, you, know. you, are, you are thinking of them. You are absolutely thinking of them. Howard Andrew Jones is a great writer. He is writing sword and sorcery, the kind of stuff that I that that, that, that brought me yeah. into the field. And again, and again, yeah. not like in a throwback retro way, but like, right. but I'll put it this way: like all the hardcore Conan fans I know are like, "This is good," this, you know. <laughs> this, this is the stuff. Okay, yeah. um, very early on in my career, I was part of the. Um, Robert E. Howard Library that we that we published here um, that Dave Drake um, and, and Jim Bain brought to brought to it. I got to I got to edit one of the volumes and it was um, uh, I I am a true Robert E. Howard fan. Um, so getting to see this is is very exciting. Um, we have a solo by Jacob Holo, which is just fun to say. And I'm sorry, Jacob, it is. Uh, it's called Fre Freelancers of Neptune, Saul Blazers. It's the start of a new series. Um, it's just huge, big, great fun by Jacob Holo. Mm -hmm. So getting getting to publish a, uh, a standalone by Jacob is uh, is going to be great fun. Um, probably October. Uh, <laughs> um, Jody Lynn I was working on a uh, 1632 novel uh, with Eric Flint when he passed, um, and uh, that one's going to be coming out um, later this year as well. Um, Men of Breton by Richard Fox. Yeah, so I'm reading this, and yeah. um, Richard did uh, Governor, but and then he's going to be doing Rebel or Rebels. I can't remember now. Is it plural? Only one Rebel. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then he did Light of the Veil yes. with us. Yeah. And um, that was which is out now and that was sort of his space opera star wars yes um and it was a great fun book and this is more him kind of um doing what i think he's known for um and, and it's just more of a straight military science fiction it's yes. very much like we've talked about the odyssey already but like the odyssey uh mm -hmm. soldiers trying to get home and uh, it is, uh, it's, I'm really enjoying it. So, yeah. And I think the readers yeah. will. And if you like, and you know, he's a veteran as well. Yes. And I mean, he really knows, it has the right feel. And uh, yeah. uh, I think this will be, um, to his readers from his, his own stuff, uh, are going to love this one. And uh, the Bane audience, uh, this is like tailor-made to them too, you know, so. Perfect. Um, yeah. Perfect, 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 perfect. 
Uh, we were talking about Travis Taylor. Um, he's working on the sequel to Ballistic, but he and Les Johnson will have the sequel to Saving Proxima um, out uh, later this year. Um, hard science fiction novel, um, first contact novel. That's very much a twist on the idea of first contact. Um, then we have another um, Hank Davis uh, reprint anthology, yeah. and this time his co-editor will be a fellow named Jamie Ibsen, um, who you may know from his stories in the Freehold uh, series um, by uh, by Mike Williamson, Mike Williamson's World. Um, so uh, they're going to be under underwater, underwater, right? Underwater stories. This is cool because <laughs> that's like a genre that almost got forgotten about it yeah. feels like it was like such a thing like it's in childhood's end right yeah. the clark and yeah you know i don't know it's yeah. cool it'll yeah. be cool to see some of them again it will yeah. so 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 <laughs> yeah that one that one's gonna be fun too um we have another tim's on icarus novel it's gonna be coming out in december um, he's unstoppable he is unstoppable. <laughs> uh we have an alternate history from tom crapman casey Uzel, and justin watson um, 1919 Romanov Rising that'll be coming out um, and then we have um, a uh, our, our weird uh, space westerns um, Last Train to Kepler 283C edited by David Boop um, and we're also looking forward to that to the end of the year um, as I say don't, don't, don't hold us to any of these things think things are still fluid at the moment but that's what we're looking forward to so it's an exciting 40th year yeah I think that we got some and sort of for the 40, I don't think we've necessarily planned it this way, but it feels like we're hitting all of the Bane, maybe not all, but so many of the Bane hallmarks in this year. Yeah. So it's kind of fitting. It really you know, is. like we're not having just a military science fiction year or just a epic fantasy year or just a high fantasy. We are sort of hitting it all, and that's cool for, uh, and for that anniversary you know yeah, so yeah so. well thank you so much for for going over these i think you know most of these books we will cover individually on the podcast in the coming years so we hope you will join us for that yeah. uh tony weiskopf thank you so much and uh we will uh see you next year to talk about 2025 and the 41st year Woo. all right <laughs> thank you bye, bye. And now we bring you our audiobook serialization of Tinker by Wynn Spencer. Inventor girl genius Tinker lives in a near-future Pittsburgh, which now exists mostly in the land of the elves. She runs her salvage business, pays her taxes, and tries to keep the local ambient level of magic down with gadgets of her own design. When a pack of wargs chase an elven noble into her scrapyard, life as she knows it takes a serious detour. Tinker finds herself taking on the Elven Court, the NSA, the Elven Interdimensional Agency, technology smugglers, and a college-minded xenobiologist as she tries to stay focused on what's really important, her first date. Armed with an intelligence the size of a planet, steel-toed boots, and a junkyard dog attitude, Tinker is ready to kick butt to get her first kiss. As the steelworkers had at one time divided themselves into richly ethnic neighborhoods, so did the current inhabitants. The UN workers, which made up the bulk of the EIA, lived within downtown's triangle of land, using the rivers to shield them on two sides against packs of wargs, the occasional saurus, and other elf home creatures with big mouths and sharp teeth. On the south side, sheltered less so by the Monongahela River and the bulk of Mount Washington, was a set of Americans whose expertise was the freight trains that did the East Coast run.
Mixed in with them were the oil workers, who kept a steady supply of natural gas flowing throughout the region, supplied by gas wells long since tapped on Earth. On the sliver of the north side remaining, a Chinatown had grown up, part of the treaty with China when their gate triggered the whole mess. Native Pittsburghers were sprinkled everywhere, refusing to move despite everything. Lastly, in Oakland, were the elves. The elfin businesses sat just beyond the part of old Oakland that had been raised by the rim. The southern side of the street was graveled parking lots with large warning signs that the lot fell into the rim's influence during shutdown and startup. The northern side of the street was elfin enclaves, half a block wide, high-walled and gated, built firmly on elf home. Once through the gates, one was into lush private gardens filled with exotic flowers, songbirds, and glowing cousins to fireflies. Since it was Midsummer Eve, the traffic was heavy for Pittsburgh, and Nathan had to cruise the parking lot for several minutes to find a space. Most of the crowd, however, were heading several blocks to the east, where the Earth Street ended abruptly in the fairgrounds. There was a group of mostly elves waiting to be seated as Tinker and Nathan came down the garden path of the Poppy Meadow Enclave. A female elf with long silvery hair that nearly reached her ankles glanced toward Tinker. Her eyes went wide in surprised recognition. Tinker, Zedomi! Tinker startled. Of the handful of elves she knew, this wasn't one. She glanced behind her to see if maybe an elf noble named Tinker was standing behind her. The garden path was empty. The other waiting diners turned, saw Tinker, and bowed low, murmuring, Tinker Zedomi. She didn't recognize any of them. To cover her confusion, Tinker bobbed a shallow bow to the crowd and gave a semi-informal greeting. Nasade. The domo of Poppy Meadow pushed through the diners, bowed low, and gushed out high elvish faster than Tinker could hope to follow. Please, please, Taunte, she begged him to use the low tongue. You honor me, the domo cried, taking hold of her hands. Come, come, you must have the finest seat in the house. He guided the bewildered Tinker through the waiting diners into the public eating areas, and to an elegant table set into a small alcove. Nathan followed, looking as mystified as Tinker felt. Here, let me be the first to wish you merry. Thank you, but... Tinker started to ask why they were fussing over her, but the domo was already gone. What was that all about? Nathan asked. I'm not sure, Tinker said slowly. What were they saying? You don't speak Elvish? Not really. Just enough to do a traffic stop. What did they say? Tinker flashed to the patrol guard who had roughed her up at the hospice on startup. She pushed the ugly comparison away. No, Nathan wasn't like that. Wait, the hospice? Tinker? Um, they recognized me somehow, but I don't know them. Or did she? Was the silver-haired female the one who had helped with the surgery on her hand? Startup had been a blur but that would be a whole crop of elves who would know her. Maybe they know you from the hoverbike racing, Nathan suggested. Elves called her Tinker Tiki at the races, which was a friendly informal, condescending address, on the order of Baby Tinker. This had been Tinker Zedomi, an address of extreme politeness. 
More likely these were elves who knew her from the hospice. Certainly between her arrival with the flatbedded startup and Winwolf carrying her through the hospice yelling the next morning, and this morning's fight with the NSA, she had made herself memorable enough. All the elves at the hospice most likely knew that she had saved. Realization hit her. She barely kept her hand from reaching up and touching her forehead. The elves had to be reacting to Windwolf's mark. She glanced worriedly at Nathan. If he thought this weirdness meant that Windwolf did have some claim on her, she winced. She didn't want to deal with a jealous Nathan again. What a mess. The domo returned with a bottle labeled in elvish, two drinking bowls, and a small silver dish of something white. While she was trying to decide if it was sugar or salt or something more exotic, the domo flicked it onto her, exclaiming, Linsa tanita lintu. He continued in low elvish, saying, May you be merry. What the hell? Tinker blinked in surprise, too confused even to form a reaction. The domo pushed one of the small drinking bowls into her hands, saying, Praise be to the gods. She at least knew how to react to that. Praise be, she said, and drank the wine. What was in the glass was clear, sweet as candy, and burned the whole way down. While she gasped for breath, the domo vanished again. You okay? Nathan asked, and she nodded. What did he throw on you? I think it was salt. Why? I don't know. Nor could she guess. What had the domo said? Linsa and linto were both forms of the same word, purity. Tanlita was the word tanta, meaning will make in its female form. Pure into purity? Purity into cleanliness? The food began to arrive on tiny, delicate hand-painted dishes. At an enclave, you ate what you were served. Tinker usually liked it because there were no choices to be made. And you weren't stuck with a large portion of something that was only so-so, or in envy of what another person ordered. Sure, you never knew what you were about to be served, or sometimes had already eaten, but it made the entire meal an adventure. She could really do without adventure and mystery in her life right about now. Like most businesses in Pittsburgh, the enclaves relied heavily on local produce to supplement the supplies brought in during shutdown. Thus, the dishes appearing before Tinker and Nathan featured woodland mushrooms, walnuts, trout, venison, hare, keva beans, and raspberries. Luckily, the dishes came with built-in conversation. What do you suppose this is? Oh, this is good. Is there more? Are you going to eat that? It made it easy for Tinker to ponder what the domo meant by wish you Mary. Had she translated that right? Mary what? Merry dinner, merry Midsummer's Eve, merry Christmas? Why did languages have to be so vague? This is why she loved math. During the third round of dishes, the other diners started to appear at the table. They would slip up, eye Nathan doubtfully as he grew more and more surly, then smile warmly at Tinker, and press something into her hand, saying, I wish you merry. The first was the silver-haired female with a flower plucked from the enclave garden, which seemed innocent enough. It wasn't until the second diner pressed a silver diamond to Tinker's hands that she realized she should have refused the flower. Now she couldn't refuse following gifts without grave insult, 
something you didn't do with elves. So she smiled and accepted the dime and prayed that Nathan wouldn't blow a gasket. Flowers, coins, and notepaper folded into packets containing salt, and a small cage of slender vines woven into a cage holding a firefly followed. What's with the bug? Nathan asked. I don't know. She winced as she realized that she was whining. It is kind of cute in a weird kind of way. Why are they doing this? If I told you, you'd get all bent out of shape, and I don't want to deal with that. He frowned at her and pushed his latest dish away. Look, why don't we just go to the fair? I don't feel like eating anymore. The domo saved her from having to abandon all the gifts behind. He came forward with a basket while Nathan went off to settle up the bill. Under all the gifts, she found Winwolf's note. Please, can you read this and translate it to low tongue for me? Yes, certainly. He glanced over the note. It is from Wolf Who Rules. He... A pause as the domo worked through translation from formal to informal. We'll see you at the fair. Oh, wonderful. What is it you say, I wish you merry? She asked awkwardly. Merry what? Life? I wish you a merry life. May all good things come to you. That seemed harmless enough. Nathan appeared, waiting, so she didn't ask about the salt or the gifts. They stopped at the Buick and dropped off the basket. Night had fallen, and the fair had awakened a gleam of multicolored lights and the beat of exotic music. There, by the car, they seemed to be in their own envelope of space-time. Nathan pulled her close, kissing her while slipping his hands under her silk duster and running his hands down the back of her dress. For a little while, it was very nice, his strong, warm body holding her, the smell of his musky cologne, and the excitement of kissing in the open darkness. It felt similar to when she raced her bike fast down Observatory Hill, exhilarated by the speed, heart leaping to her throat every time she slid out of control toward the edge of the tree-lined road. At some point, though, Nathan realized that the duster shielded his hands from any chance passers-by, and he slipped them down and then back up, this time under her dress. He straightened slightly, pulling her off her feet, at the same time kissing down her neck to nuzzle into her breasts. Nathan, it was getting too scary, and she was a little angry that he was taking it so fast, out in the open, as if he wanted to be seen, so that everyone would think that she belonged to him. It was as if this was his way of marking her. No one's here. He was strong enough that he could support her easily with one hand. Their joint focus became his free hand, rough fingertips on her inner thigh, exploring higher. Nathan, she hissed, wriggling in his hold. Someone might come. Put me down. We could get into the car, he groaned into her hair. Into the car and what? Did he think the car afforded shadows deep enough to disguise what he wanted to do? Or in the car they could go to someplace more appropriate? His place? Her place? No. She squirmed more, tempted now to use elbows, knees, and the practically sharpened tip of her shoes. I want to go to the fair. He gave a long-suffering sigh. Are you sure? Yes. All right. He set her back onto her feet. Let's go to the fair.
That was another installment in Wynn Spencer's Tinker. And that's it for the podcast. Thanks as always to audible.com and podcast theme composer, Ruth Judkowitz. And good night, Tony Daniel, wherever you are. This is David F. Shirod coming to you from a soundproof bunker somewhere deep in the heart of Texas. Join us here next week in the hammering heart of science fiction and fantasy and keep reaching for the stars. Thank you.